Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Anthony Lemke from Dark Matter, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. And uh, we are back this week with, I guess, somewhat of a regular show again. Uh, we're doing some news, some things that are happening uh, around us, and then we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to be releasing an interview in this show. Look forward to re- releasing that. Yeah. So, uh, so basically, here's the deal. Here's what's on the menu tonight, if you will. Uh, we're going to start by talking about some conventions that you can see us at. In various facets, probably not all of us, but at least some of us will be there representing the diner and obviously our own giddy interests when we go to these. Um, And then we'll be talking about some TV news. We have some movie news. We have some real science news. And then we're going to be sharing an interview with Anthony Lemke. Is that right? That is correct. He's from Dark Matter. Mm -hmm. So those of you that are Dark Matter fans, you'll want to stay tuned and listen to that. Miles had a chance to interview him at Shore Leave. What is it? 38? 37? 39? I'm not sure. I just said shortly leave 2016 just to, you know. Yeah, 2016. There you yeah. go. That's safe. <laughs> so, Holy but, moly. I know. So, uh, but anyways, uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, sharing that with you. And, and that's really the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, it sounds like a good menu and we have a lot that we're going to serve up. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm hungry. Let's go. Let's go. Well, Emma, why don't we start with something that you're going to serve up, and that is uh, you have, you are going to two cons that are coming up in the very near future. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those cons and what they so, are, who's going to be there, why we should be excited about them, and why we should go? <laughs> so there's a couple of things going on in the D.C. area, and I know that um, – I don't know how many people who listen in the area, but there's – I really love that it's becoming kind of a nerd hubby hub, um, especially with Awesome Con having been so amazing this year. Um, so in September, the weekend of September the 10th, the 10th and the 11th, uh, there's a group of um, game designers and people who really enjoy tabletopping who last year started something called WashingCon. So instead of Washington, it's WashingCon. Um, it's Washington's own tabletopping gaming convention. Uh, this year, it's September 10th through the 11th. And there's still plenty of tickets available. It's sponsored by Steve Jackson Games, which super fun, Zombie Dice, Munchkin, um, and Labyrinth, which is a great place to get games and all of your tabletopping needs. There's a lot of different events going on. So if you go to WashingCon, W-A-S-H-I-N-G-C-O-N.com, um, you can go and check it out. There's this. Uh, there's basically mostly tabletopping. But they'll be playtesting a lot of stuff, too. I don't know if you guys know. Have you ever played Flux? Uh, yes. I With you, I think. That's um, brought to you by the fine people of Looney Labs, who actually live not too far away from here. Um, there are some folks from GameRite and Panda and Peaceable Kingdom and North Star Games. They're all coming to just... It's basically a, a convention of just table topping. Yeah, I see they're um, doing a Munchkin tournament. So those of you that like the game Munchkin. Yes, I love playing Munchkin. So That's a go. hoot. Yeah, they um, have, they, so they have if you're in the area, check it out. Or if you're, even if you're not in the area, it's DC's beautiful. You can come in on Friday and enjoy the monuments and then come enjoy some table topping with some fellow table topping nerds. So I like, I... I'm looking forward to going. They were kind enough to give me a pass, so I will be enjoying as much of it as possible and taking lots of pictures and checking out all the new games and learning some new fun stuff. Awesome, awesome. Sounds like a good time. Awesome. And Uh, the the other con that you're going to in D.C. So the weekend after that is Intervention Con. They have been a con that's been happening in Rockville, Maryland for the last... um, This is the seventh year, and it's basically internet convention anything that can happen on the internet almost anything pg-13 that can happen (laughs) on the internet um it's a convention about how to do the things on the internet so podcasting and filmmaking and stuff that you make this year they've got a really amazing group of guests um arthur darvel who is rip hunter from legend of tomorrow but if you you know adore him the way i do he's rory williams and always (laughs) rory williams um, I'm going to ruin this. I'm going to try not to. <laughs> Rene Abergenois. That was good. That was really good. Um, three years of French. That's what I can do. Uh, Odo from Star Trek. 
There's also Juliet Lando, who played Drusilla and Buffy. Thomas Dolby! She blinded she me blinded with science. She blinded me with science. I mean, come on! Thomas Dolby. Um, Gigi Edgeley from Farscape. Dwight Schultz. Lieutenant Barkley from Trek. Uh, one of the writers from Trek, uh, the original series. Just a, a whole array of really great, um, really amazing creative people. And then there's some great writers, great content creators. And they're there to share the content that they make and how you can get, how you can, you know, take what you create and put it out there for other people to enjoy. So that's super fun and cool. That is cool. My son, my my son would be excited about Robert Axelrod, the voice of Lord Zed from Power Rangers. (laughs) (laughs) He would. He's he's like, oh, you're going to meet him. (laughs) So. And then, you, if finance is willing, um, in March I will be going on my annual nerd cruise, the Joko uh, cruise, crazy. Or actually, now it's just the Joko cruise. We've classed it up a little. It's not so crazy, but it's very crazy. Um, that's going to go out of uh, San Diego and head for the Sea of Cortez. So awesome! You can find out more about that on JokoCruise.com. Or you can ping me, and I'll happily talk about it for a million hours because it's amazing. Absolutely. Now uh, they are—they're doing it in March this year. So uh, this year is different than all the other years because previously on Joko Cruise, uh, we'd have a certain number of berths on a boat. So as the cruise has grown and grown and grown, we've taken larger and larger chunks of the boat. So this year, <laughs> we have a whole boat. Ooh. The no. whole boat. The whole boat. It's going to be the Nerd Vana. The whole boat is ours. Is now, will, um, your, will, will your close personal friend, uh, uh, Will Wheaton, be there? <laughs> <laughs> I believe Mr. Wheaton will be in attendance. I don't know about close personal friend, but definitely very <laughs> lovely gentleman, <laughs> Ann Wheaton, who I adore. Um, they're, they still haven't, still haven't listed who the lineup is uh, for 2017, but... It's it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. The folks from... Um, uh, there'll be a lot of gaming this year, too. So Think Geek sponsors it. Steve Jackson Games. Uh, Mystic Brewing. Always brews beer specifically for the cruise. Looney Labs. Uh, Lone Shark Games. Ultra Pro. Justworks. Cheap-ass games. Broken Token. Black Box. I mean, it just keeps going. And then there's they're aligned with a charity called World Builders, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so it's not only just nerdy things, it's people who, again, it's like a convention, but just on a boat. So, you know, tacos, 24 hours a day. Woo! <laughs> they did, um, just announce an initial lineup. Oh, did they? I'm looking on the website right Jonathan now. Jonathan Colton will be there. Oh, here we go. <gasps> oh, yay. Oh, good. Oh, so Molly much Lewis. wonderful. So NK Jameson, I geeked out big time when I met her. <laughs> Molly Lewis, who I adore with all my own, oh, my heart. John Scalzi, awesome. <gasps> Oh my god, that's awesome! Will Wheaton, Pete Siegel, Pat, Patrick Rothfuss, Rothfuss, I can never say his name. Cameron Esposito is the coolest Paul chick ever. And Zoe Storm. Keating, also amazing. Paul wow, Ram Butcher, Cameron's wife, awesome. Jim Boja, I would suggest googling Jim Boja and Jim Boja ukulele. Listen to that man play ukulele. What he does to an ukulele makes me want to be in a ukulele. He's amazing. And then Paul and Storm, who I adore. John Roderick, meh. But <laughs> I love him. And uh, just Janet Varney. She's so funny. Oh, crap. I need to figure out how to get money for this. And Amy Mann. Will be there Amy too. Mann. I know. She and Ted Leo make the most amazing music ever. Ever, ever. <laughs> Some Yeah. Wow. Wow. Adam Savage. They're getting Adam Savage on the Adam Savage is on the boat. He doesn't <laughs> like boats. He doesn't like boats. This is the best. This picture, this this picture of him looks a little bit like Frage. Oh, he does look like Frage. Doesn't he? A little does bit. Like His alter ego, Frage in the flesh. Jean Grey might be one of the coolest, weirdest, awesomest, like nerd rap chick in the world. <laughs> so there's just some awesome stuff there. Oh, uh, very good. Well, so if you want to find out more, you can go to JokuCruise.com. And now all the information you can ever want about the Joku Cruise, or you can just ping M. She'll talk about it forever. Hours. Hours on end. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing 
sure. your future con experiences. Obviously, between now and then, we have Farpoint, but that'll be happening in February, probably. Yes. But, Miles, you are going to a con here in the upcoming weeks. Tell us a little bit about where you're heading. So, I'm going to the Big Apple in about two weeks. I'm going just for Saturday for uh, Star Trek Mission New York. Um, not going as press. I'm just going uh, one. I probably waited too late to try to get a press pass, but uh, I'm just going just for just for fun. Um, I have family that live in Brooklyn. I'm going to see some family while I'm there, but uh, Saturday I'm looking forward to just geeking out with uh, thousands of Star Trek fans at this yeah. place. Awesome. I think John's going to be there. I think John Fraze is going to be there. Um, uh, our, our, our friend uh, Melton's going to be there too. Good. So... Um, so yeah, hopefully I'll see a few more people. Hey, it'll be good. Mm-hmm. It'll be good. So who are you looking forward to that's going to be there? I know they have a huge guest lineup. Basically, anyone from anyone at Star Trek is there. Right. Um, I haven't looked. I haven't seen Saturday's schedule. Who, who is there? But I'm going to try to see see people who I haven't seen before. Um, now you have seen a lot of the uh, Star Trek guests already, right? I, I have. Um, but there there are several I haven't seen yet. Um, but um, a friend of mine also asked me to go to the Hallmark booth. Uh, there's a new uh, ornament, I guess, that's uh, premiering this year, and uh, so I'm going to try to uh, acquire that for him. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Well, they, I mean, they, have, they, they, they literally have everyone here. I mean, so if you really want to catch some of these, the old timers, they're going to be there, or people from the series. I mean, Koenig's going to be there all days. Shatner's there only Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Adam Nimoy, Anthony Montgomery, Armin Sh- what Shimmerman? I would love to Bruce, see him. Bruce Greenwood. Love to see him too. Sirac Loft. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's literally from every single franchise. Yeah. So, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm 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 psyched for that. Yeah. I got, got my badge in the mail just a few days ago. So that had to feel good. It did. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys for sharing about some of your con, your future plans. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. I'm on the Farpoint page right now. Sam Whitworth. I know, right? Uh, that'll be cool. So that will be cool. Pretty. <gasps> oh my god! Oh my Don god! Again. The guy from Dollhouse and Agent Carter. Um, um. Now, now try to pronounce <laughs> his name, Em. <laughs> Enver Jokaj. How about that? Uh, That's not so bad. Stuck on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to seeing him too. He he was brilliant in Dollhouse and absolutely uh, enjoy, oh, enjoyed so him everything else I've seen him in. He's he's, he's great in uh, Agent Carter also. Yeah. Okay. Who whose palms do we need to start greasing right to get uh to get in on on interviews with these? Zan guys? Rosen and and uh, Betsy Child probably. Got it. They're the people. Well, I will start baking cookies now. Now <laughs> are you sending them cookies? Sending them cookies. All right. Well, thank you. That's I think that's it for con news. That's a lot of con news. But we it don't, is. We don't. But we don't typically uh, discuss con news like that. So it's good to kind of plug some of them. And if you're going, please ping us on the Facebook page. Let us know. You know, say something on Twitter and let us know that you're going so that we can look for you and be on the lookout for you. And uh, and we'll go from there. Maybe we'll have some. You know, if we know that you're coming, maybe we'll bring some cool loot. Because I have some loot hanging around here. We do. Have I have a bunch of loot as well. So from my funny enough, loot, from my loot, loot crate, there's loot, a bunch loot. of stuff that like is kind of cool and fun, but doesn't really pertain to me. So I'm gonna start carrying that around at conventions. And if you're there, and you say the magic word "space pants," I'm gonna <laughs> give you something. That's right. <laughs> that is awesome. And if I forget, I will just give you a hug. There you go. And there's nothing quite like a hug from Adam. Oh, I'll take one. bless. Thanks, Peanut. Yeah, Miles needs Thanks, one. Thanks, <laughs> There you go. <laughs> See, I do say nice things every once in a while. <laughs> uh, TV news. Uh, news is out. Stranger Things is a bigger hit than Jessica Jones and Daredevil. Wow. Anyone shocked? I haven't seen Stranger Things yet, so I can't speak to that. But I, I've seen Daredevil and I've seen Jessica Jones, though. Yeah. Uh, does that surprise you, Em? It a little bit, because I... Th- but a little bit yes and a little bit no, because it's it seems like it would be a different audience. But then again, it seems like it would be the same audience yeah. and that it, it reaches a different a different, broader kind of audience. And there's there's kind of this little bit of a horror, a little bit of a a freight night kind of science fiction vibe to it. That's much more it's more it's a little broader than like the comic book of of the other two so it's it's delicious i have two episodes left to go we've been um my roommate and i have been um parsing it out like to one episode a week 
and just really and really savoring it it's it's pretty amazing well here, here here's my take on why stranger things is resonating so much bring it us. on so we have a tv show that is set in for many of us a very memorable era i mean we're in the 80s here right and everything everything is 80s this title sequence is 80s the music so is good. 80s and they're even playing D and D. So those of us that are geeks were resonating a little bit with at least even the initial premise of the show, and and I think this is the same reason that um, ah, I just lost it. The the Ready Player One. The reason that we loved Ready mm-hmm. Player One was it threw us back. Yes, it was a virtual world, and yes, it was this huge adventure, but it was paying homage to all these things that we remembered from the 80s, and Stranger Things has kind of brought this to television, a totally different story, mind you, but has brought this to television, and we're kind of reliving this again. I'm going to have to check it out now. What do you think, Adam? I agree. It's, there's, there's a, they've done a really good job of going back to 1983 and creating this world. But the setting is great because we don't have the tech we have now. Right. So it it's a much more analog detective sci-fi. Yeah, walkie-talkies. Their walkie-talkies <laughs> are the best. Bicycles and all of it. It just and but the science, you know, the opening of the portal to another to another dimension, to another side, the whole is it magic? Is it science? Is it? Um, I, I I feel like it's there's enough in this. There's enough enough interest. Yeah. That's not the right word. That it is a detective story. It's a science fiction story. It's a nostalgic story. It's there's so much there's so much depth to it that it appeals to so many folks. That I get it. Yeah. I get why I love it. I think it's it's a really interesting. The first episode. I was a little shot, like I didn't know what to think about it, and then as soon as I finished the second episode, I was hooked. Yeah, we know it's uh, got the second season, so we're going to get more. So yeah, gonna be, well, I awesome. need to finish watching. So shh. Yeah, wait. Well, hey, I'm not going to give away the ending, but let me just say, <laughs> let me just say this: uh, reports, Business Insider said it was or reported that it was seen by 8.2 million people in its first 16 days of release, and to put it in perspective, it's ahead of Daredevil, Jessica Jones. Narcos and even House of Cards in its first sixteen days. Dang, that's big so, I mean, numbers. And, and House of Cards, I mean, that got when that. I mean, that was one of Netflix's first original shows, and that got rave reviews. Mm-hmm. Well, so, but it's you can't. I don't think you can compare them. No, it's a I whole agree. Kind of drama. It is. It is. And they the number they say it still puts it behind like Orange Is the New Black and Fuller House gag. Um, <laughs> you know, but you know it's uh, but it's a hit for them. And you know, and what's interesting is we've. And we watched this at the Sci-Fi Diner as Netflix has gone from just being movies to pushing out original content and putting out original contents that is successful. They become a player in the TV field. Yeah, they can. And that's been that's been really cool to watch. And even Amazon, Amazon, uh, Hulu's done it too. So, yeah. yeah. So it's been neat. Mm -hmm. Neat to see them do that. But all right, we have another show that we want to talk about. This is a new show coming out called Timeless. And uh, have you watched a trailer for any of these shows, M? For Timeless? No, I'm kind of behind. I need to see what's cooking. All right. Uh, what, um, I'm gonna for p- the next episode, I'll I'll have something more in depth for um, for what's coming out this yeah. fall. But, but Timeless, we want to talk about Timeless. Let me play the trailer, and you'll be able to hear it, M. Uh, yep. But we'll talk a little bit about it. And I think this is a show that I'm going to get my wife into, and she's going to like it. And we'll talk about why in a second. Lucy Preston, Homeland Security. You need to come with me. You've got a hell of a reputation. History, anthropology. Master Sergeant Wyatt Logan, Delta Force. 3.30 p.m. May 6, 1937. Oh, the humanity. You're telling me that this guy actually went back in time, for real, to the Hindenburg. You were our best option. To do what? Go after him? I think someone who loved history would want to save it. Our prototype. She isn't fancy, but she works, usually. 
Do you need to go with them? I can't. I am black. There is literally no place in American history that'll be awesome for me. Lucy. Rufus, I'm a pilot. Kind of. Kind of? Have you been drinking? Didn't know I was gonna be working tonight, ma'am. Might wanna hold on. Seen this man? Well, yes, he was here. He's working as ground crew. He's gonna help bring down the Hindenburg. I think Flynn is trying to rewrite history. It could change the present in ways we can't possibly predict. What is it about her? My wife died. So when I saw Kate, that's all I can think about. Tony I know everything about you. Just ask them why they chose you. I'm not sure you realize where you are, boy. I hope you live long enough to see Michael Jordan dunk, Michael Jackson dance, Mike Tyson punch, really just any black guy named Michael. Because the future is not on your side. <laughs> I know what you're really meant to be. You're important in ways you can't even imagine. That's my handwriting, but I didn't write that. Not yet, but you will. So that is uh, Timeless and a little bit of the preview. So uh, the uh, trailer, a lot of nostalgia here, first of all. We're going back into the 30s, Hindenburg. Right. Um, and uh, one of the other trailers showed them hitting all these different events, the assassination of Lincoln and different things like that. So it's, it's going to be kind of a period, period sci-fi. It's almost a classic way of doing sci uh, a time travel right. sci-fi show movie sort of thing where you're going back to major events in history right right and the guy is trying to rewrite there's yeah the the, the antagonist is trying to change history in, in some way yeah yeah but is he the antagonist well we don't know there and you go find out. one of the things i like that the trailer does is yeah you, you, you th <laughs> i love the line he goes why can't you go back i'm black there's no place for me back there and i thought you know talk about it i mean this i mean the whole African America can, and the the whole black plight has been forefront in the news, and what a way to kind of touch on it in a way that that we can kind of grapple with. Right. Just throw to throw someone back in history and have them deal with it and point mm -hmm. maybe how far we've come, but maybe also how far we have yet to go. How things have changed, and maybe how much they haven't. This is where sci-fi gets gets the chance to ask the, the social the social aspect, social of commentary, yeah. and ask important questions. Yeah. So I think this show has potential. I I I, I like it so far. I mean, I, we it's not out to October, but October third to be exact. I I, will, I am definitely watching the first episode. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mm -hmm. think so. Uh, so I think I'm going to be watching, um, and uh, it looks promising. Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, you you put the name Hiro. Is it Kanogawa? Yeah, the reason why I put that name, I was looking for somebody in the show that looked familiar to me. He's been in everything. This this Asian American, yeah, um, <laughs> he has uh, Caprica. I saw him in Dark Matter. Um, he was in the last the the. the I think he was in Contact. He might. I'm trying to think. Um, the, when, when Heroes came back, he was he was on that show. Yeah, he was. Yeah, any any sci-fi show that's made in um, Canada, he has probably been in it in the last ten years. So oh, he's in he's an eye zombie. He was the he's the chief. I oh, yes. remember him. Oh yeah, but he has this notable look. He does. And he's he's a, um, I know that guy. Yeah, I know that guy. Uh, you know, this is one of the things. You know, when we look at so last year or two years ago, we had Twelve Monkeys, and there were other shows that have recently. Um, what was the one with William B. Davis, Cigarette Smoking Man? They went back in time. And... X-Files. No, he was in that. That wasn't time travel, Al though. Alcatraz? No, 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 no. Um, oh. He was in Man in, oh, Man in um, High Castle. Continuum. Continuum, thank you. So the Continuum mm. was kind of mm -hmm. a time travel show. What is it um, about, why do we keep coming back to these ideas of time travel? What do you guys, what, what do you think of, and what do you think of that? Why, why time travel? Well, because there's there's always that question. You you've played that game. If you could go back in time, or if you could go forward in time, what would you do? So then there's this 
then there's the conversation of there's the philosophical thing of going back and do you want to study something? Do you want to sample something? Do you want to witness something? Do you want to prevent something? Well, then if you're going to prevent something, how does that affect the future in a scientific way, in a philosophical way, in a in a in a humanities way, it in in a religious way? And it just kind of starts spiraling into these wonderful opportunities to let your brain stretch and see where you can go. And we have always enjoyed before we had before we had flight, before we had space flight, before we had we've had fiction, we've had um, fiction and then science fiction and then creative fiction and just all of these places that we'd wanted to go. And there's there's always that that search for for what's different and what's new. And and at least at least, you know, there's that spirit that I have. And I find that people who dig this kind of stuff have it as well. So to go back and explore that is always it's always a great if it's done well, it's it's always a great adventure. It's a great place for your brain to go for, you know, 48 minutes or, you know, 120 minutes (laughs) Or it's, it's just, it's, it's attractive, right. you know, like, Ooh, where, where would he go? And I never would have thought of going back to the Hindenburg and, and stopping the Hindenburg. I mean, you get people, Oh, I'd go back and I'd stop Hitler. I'd save Abraham Lincoln. You know, I would want to go to Pompeii the day before volcano day and see what it was like. Um, and you know, if there's somebody kind of, but if you save someone that means you've put them back in the timeline you've put them back in the gene pool and just all sorts of things so it just kind of rolls from there kind of like what i'm doing right now um so i find i find that that humanity enjoys a little curiosity and time is something we have not breached so we're extremely curious about it yeah yeah and i think you know I, I like too the philosophical and moral implications is, you know, the idea of if we could go back, would we, should we, could we, and what would the implications of doing that be? And I think those are some great mental gymnastics when you theorize about it, which is what we, you know, in a sense do when we create these TV shows, books, stories, and movies. And um, yeah. And one of the last time travel stories I saw was on Hulu uh, with uh, James Franco. Um, I'm probably gonna get the, the, the dates wrong. Eleven twenty eight sixty three. Oh yeah, that was a Stephen King one. Uh, the one about him sit, trying to prevent uh, John F. Kennedy's uh, assassination. Yeah. His, historians today think he he might you know at least in our country think he's one of the greatest presidents we ever had. Would what 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 what, what could it have been like if if his assassination was prevented? He was able to serve a term or two. Uh, what what. What what could have happened after that? Um, now they took a different spin on it in that show, but that's that's one of the things we like to think is, what if this le- world leader didn't die at this time? What if he lived on? What you know what what potential positive things could he have brought if uh, he was uh, he he would have st- still stayed around? Yeah, definitely. Well, anyways, it's going to be some of the reasons that we might be watching this show come October. No mm-hmm. doubt. No doubt. So uh, do you want to talk about Young Justice or we move on from that? Do you want to just plug it a little bit? Just, just briefly. Um, I, I saw this on Facebook today. Um, it, when the article was first put out, it was more it was put out as a given that Netflix is considering uh, bringing back Young Justice. Um, Young Justice was, was a animated superhero story um, in the DC universe and um, on Cartoon Network. It's on it's on Netflix now, so you can see it. I thought it was very good. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, sort of, some of you might be familiar with Teen Titans. This is well, they're a little older than teens here, but um, but I saw saw that Netflix might be considering bringing the show back. And this got, this is how out of control it got. It, they said they approached Peter David, um, a gentleman who we've interviewed in the past. Uh, um, famous Star Trek novel author, famous comic book writer, um, but that's not the case. So it, it's kind of rumor and conjecture right now whether Netflix will do this, but I hope they do because I really enjoyed Young Justice. Because 
Miles, at the very least, will be watching. I will be watching. <laughs> yes. So please, yeah. I hope it's true. At least most yeah. of it's true that yeah. they're, they're going to bring it back. Yeah, absolutely. I have it on my watch list. I keep, I, I'm waiting for, it's the summertime and with the new job and it, I want to be outside. So there's a lot of stuff I haven't watched yet. So as soon as it gets cold and crappy and we're expecting a really horrible winter this year, uh, I will be in here watching it. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Uh, Bruce Greenwood voices uh, Batman in this. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Well, let's talk about some movie news. And we just have, I think, one piece of movie news. And uh, it's this. Avatar 2 is set to begin filming in early 2017. Miles, do you care? Mm-hmm. I, I, right or, now? Let me, let me, care? Actually, let me, let me back up. Why, why is this important? Maybe we should talk about that first. Well, the first one was important because it was one of the first movies that introduced this technology. Uh, this new 3D technology, right? The 3D, but also the thing with the actors, where the actors... Would the work. motion capture? Thank you. The motion capture um, technology, uh, they were the ones that really got this thing going and made this visually wonderful world that we saw. Um, it was an enjoyable movie. Um, it's been several years. I don't, I mean, I, if it comes, I mean, if it comes out, I might see it in theaters, but I'm not uh, um, jumping off my seat. To, well, we don't have any trailer yet either to kind of pique our interest. Well, there's, there. yeah, I mean, it, I mean, 2017 is another six months away, so yeah. we got a while. Em, uh, anything else you want to add to as to why Avatar 2 is important as far as coming around? Or is it? Well... As I stand here trying to stretch the time out as I read the article really quickly. And that just says something that like I've seen the article pop up a couple of times and I just don't care. Yeah. Um, Well, I I think that's the thing. I mean, so we've had this many years and I mean, the thing that is, is important, at least in my opinion, is Avatar 1 is the biggest grossing movie of all times. Okay. It is. 2.7 2.7 billion dollars it grossed and so i mean so having a sequel to it is important because of of that landmark but it did it did do a lot of things that kind of pushed it up to that landmark so will avatar 2 be able to continue to innovate and capitalize i mean i don't know I think also the this is one of the most at the time and maybe still is I don't know one of the most expensive movies ever made so that that's another landmark it was at the, at the time it was definitely the most expensive movie they they've ever made yeah I'm not sure I'm looking it up right now as far as what it cost but. so here's something just because it made a crap ton of money the first time and you have all of this technology that you can make anything, anything happen and create any world and any kind of creature. Just because you have it, does that mean you have to make it? And should you make it, you know? <laughs> should you make it? I mean, so the story was beautiful. The film, the filmography was amazing. The art, the artistry was a talent I, I couldn't even imagine existed. And it's, it's stunning. In order for people to really look beyond that and and make this worthwhile, they have to tell a good story. And I will cite, let's see, so many films. ID4 didn't need to be remade. The story wasn't there. You have the technology. You have the actors. You have the gross from the last time. Doesn't mean you have to make it. The, D, the, new D, the current DC Universe... You made three amazing Batman films that did really, really well. Superman had already had problems. Then they did Superman again. And then they started on this road. They, you know, they saw what Marvel could do. Well, we've got the tools and we've got talent and we've got money. So but that doesn't mean you have to you have to make it. You you shouldn't just make it for those reasons. There should be like uh, there should be a will, a wanting, a, a passion to make it. Yeah. So if if they're coming together out of passion and storytelling, awesome. I know that it's about the dollar, but it is James Cameron. 
It so, is James Cameron, but James Cameron's not going to do anything completely half-assed. He won't. You know? He won't. So it's gonna it's gonna look good. It'll probably have a good story because the story his movies typically do. I'm trying to think of any. The only sequels I know he's did that he had his hand on was Terminator Two. Right. I'm not aware of any other uh, sequels that he he's had his hand in. So. Yeah. And I thought there wasn't a Titanic Two. No. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, no. I think no. Sci-Fi he Channel did. He. He was involved in in the oddly the video games and stuff too, which is kind of funny. That's right. Um, but as far as directing goes, yeah. It, well, you know, Avatar. Just so you know, you were talking about the cost of it. It was an expensive movie to make. It was budgeted at two hundred two hundred thirty seven million, but other estimates put it closer to three hundred million and one hundred and fifty million for promotion. Beyond that, well, so you know, close to five hundred. We're looking. 450 to about 500 million dollars but come on you still make two billion dollars in the movie eh, probably is doesn't mean a lot you know relatively yeah you made the money three times over so. yeah so i mean it's, it was still a commercial success either way right i'm just a little shocked that like i'm looking at imdb they've already announced avatar 2 for 2018 avatar 3 for 2020 avatar 4 for 2022 avatar 5 for 2023 that's incredibly ballsy. It is. And especially That's, now, it's, it's unless, 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 yeah, it's very Marvel. Unless James Cameron has a sketch and he seems, and he feels pretty confident in the success of these movies. And I don't, we just don't, we don't know enough to say whether that's a good or bad, but that does seem, it does seem, it does seem ballsy, like you said, Adam. I mean, maybe across all of this time between the time that it, the first Avatar came out and this one, someone's come up with an amazing epic tale. And when I mean epic tale, I mean like Lord of the Rings kind of epic, like just that goes over time and like really tells a long, long story that has a huge arc telling much smaller stories in between. If someone's plotted something like that out... That's again. That adds to the ballsiness. Right. And it's it's James Cameron. I I I don't I don't know if he would do again. He doesn't do things half-assed, but he does things with such passion. Even though Terminator Two wasn't that kid in Terminator Two was really annoying, but it was good. And he didn't. He did Terminator, which was also one of my favorites. He did Aliens, yep. which one of my favorite of the series. Or is my favorite the abyss? I can't even the abyss, but it's it just seems a little odd for him to be whole hog into this for four more films. And he hasn't done a lot since that I know of. Probably so he's, like he's done. He's done Avatar some, was his last film. He did some documentaries, and, then, and he continues to do them. I think, but yeah, well, like. Uh, his last documentary was Aliens of the Deep in 2005. Oh, so that was before Avatar. Yeah, so Avatar was 2009. Right. So that makes sense. Four years to make that. He's been working on a couple other things. There's something called The Last Train from Hiroshima. Um, that's been it's a delayed project. Another thing called um, The Informationist. Not sure what that's about. And then Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5. You know, the one thing I do appreciate about Cameron is he does not rush his movies. <laughs> To get no, like, he seriously, doesn't. I mean, he doesn't. four or five years between movies. This is about like George R. R. Martin, but in movies, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, Terminator One and Two. I mean, that was a good um, six, six or seven years. Yeah, it uh, looks like he's been producing a lot, yeah. and that's what he's been doing with his time, which is fine. I have a lot of respect for that dude. So let's say, let's say Avatar Two is on the books. In your mind, what does Avatar 2 need to do to be a success in your eyes? Or what are you hoping it does? Or what questions do you hope it answers? Well, that's asking a lot. That's, that's <laughs> kind of deep for... It, it just has to tell a good story. It does, it does. And maybe, you know... It can't be, be regurgitated. One thing, he, he wowed us tremendously with all the visuals. So, he now... Has to he, raise the bar. He has, he has to raise the bar now. Yeah. What what how this the second film is going to look? Stephen Lang's going to be back. That will be interesting how they pull that off. Yeah, because he's going to need to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. Well, but, um, they apparently are talking about it. Well, he's they, he's he's come out and said that he's booked he's booked on the avatars. 
So mm-hmm. he was a good baddie. He was. I really, I really liked him <laughs> as a baddie. Um, so I, I guess time will tell. It's too early to tell where we're going to go see it, but it is out there. And uh, Emmy brought up some good points. Miles, you brought up some good points. So listeners, let us know what you think. Are you looking forward to Avatar two? Do you even care? Big questions. <laughs> Big deep, deep questions in life. <laughs> I so we're sitting here discussing this, right? We all have our own opinions, and then we ask everyone their opinions. But the tone of "Do we even? Do you even care?" Already like puts people in the defensive. Well, but maybe. I feel like I, I, I wanted to defend. A lot of movies now put us in that position. I know, I know. Do you care? And you know, I want them to say yes, I care, and here is why. I want them to give us more than just uh, <laughs> taking our word for it. You know, right, right, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, so, so talking still, about yeah, go <laughs> feeling burned by the whole DC universe. I know, bitter Suicide Squad. Um, all of it. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's talk about something that's not science fiction. This is actual let's talk science. About science. science. You want to talk about this a little bit, or you want me to lead on this? Let's talk about talk about science, yo. Yeah. So um, we have a word that the first commercial space mining operation is on schedule to begin its journey in the year 2020. So that is a lot closer than it was. Four years from now, earlier this year, Deep Space Industries, DSI, in California took the wraps off of Prospector X, a tiny robotic spacecraft that will park itself in low Earth orbit to test technologies for asteroid prospecting missions in the future. So, this target to launch sometime in late 2017, and they'll be looking to harvest water and metals from cosmic space rocks, and that's kind of their goal. And so they're going to Try to plop their uh, their lander down on a huge astral body. It sounds really cool, but they have to find a way to make this profitable. I mean, science fiction has explored mining asteroids and mining ores on other planets and things. It sounds great, but the question I have is the cost to get a spacecraft to this and then back to us. You need to create a spacecraft that is able to be reused, that is energy efficient, that is... <laughs> It doesn't cost a lot in fuel, and whatever it brings back needs to be able to have a, like a return on investment. Obviously. Yeah, it has to have a high value. Yep. So, uh, the, go ahead. Well, if you think about it, they would just they would have to build some sort of substation in orbit, and they would have to build their ships in orbit because that's going to be the cheapest. That's going to be the easiest way to build the kind of ships that they need to mine the things that they want to mine. And I suspect that a lot of the mining, and then they want to build a refinery up there too to make sure that they can um, create the fuel that they need to create. But then, as far as delivering the materials back to Earth, it's just a matter of you know getting the right orbit and using gravity. And by I mean the math is pretty good about where to get something to land. So they could they could feasibly. If they're smart about it, they'll do as much of it as possible in space. So the only thing being launched from here is people and supplies because all the ships will be up there. They'll repair them up there. They'll build them up there. Um, And it's basically the TV show The Expanse, but in real life. Very true. Hopefully without hopefully without some of their hurdles. People living on Mars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so very cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's, uh, it's, it's just, again, another step of making the stuff that we read about, the stories that we tell, a reality. Yes. And so I think it's kind of cool. Deep space mining. Another in uh, One year from today, or today, yesterday, one year from Sunday is the total eclipse of the sun uh, that will be wait. visible in North America, in, like, in the U.S., it's going to be pretty amazing. Um, my astrophysicist friend, Dr. Jen Gupta, um, just reminded me, hey, are you guys, because we're planning a little trip for next year. And what's the date? What's the date on that? So what's today? The 23rd? Let's dial back 20. Uh, I believe it's August 20, 21st, around August 21st, 2017. Awesome. Okay. I'm setting myself an email to remind me to put it on the calendar. <laughs> 
I'm excited because if Jen comes, that means my my trip is now one. It, it has a hundred percent more astrophysicists. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not hard, is it? Just add one. So that's great. Hi, this is Heather Langenkamp, and I wouldn't dream of missing an episode of Megapodzilla. Hi, this is Robert Hayes. You don't listen to Megapodzilla? Surely you can't be serious. Hi, this is Christy Swanson. Does the word duh mean anything to you? Hi, I'm Crazy Joe. I'm Hot John. And I'm just Bob. <laughs> We're the hosts of Megapodzilla. The podcast equivalent of a 100-foot radioactive robot lizard. But with horn-rimmed glasses and a pocket protector. <laughs> oh my god, that's so nerdy. We're on the rampage, laying waste to the geek landscape. Every week we talk movies and TV. Comics, pop culture, we bring you interviews with celebrities and industry insiders. Oh, don't forget, we talk about toys. We talk about toys too. Who could forget? You won't let us. So check us out. You might have fun. Heck, we've been nominated for the Parsec Award twice, so we must be doing something right. But we never won. Yet. So look for us in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, on iHeartRadio, on Stitcher, and always at Megapodzilla.com. And if you're lucky, maybe we'll just sell you our nudes. (laughs) Keep on wearing wearing those those pajamas. pajamas. All right. Well, why don't we move into uh, our interview here? Oh. And uh, unless you have a more, did you have more to say about that, Em? I don't want to rush in here. No, dude. I yammered a bunch at the beginning. That's all right. So, uh, Anthony Lemke, Miles. We were at Shore Leave. Let me let's let's put this correctly. Miles was at Shore Leave. Miles was at Shore Leave. Yeah, Miles was at Shore Leave. The Garth there. of the team was, was there. It, yeah, yes. And but Aww. but he landed some pretty freaking awesome interviews. And I think Anthony Lemke is one of these interviews that you landed. Tell me a little bit about Anthony. What it was like. How you got the interview. Uh, he was one of the easiest guys I had a chance to talk to. He was very cool, very laid back, very friendly. And I, when I first did the interview, um, the app I was using on my iPhone, it it didn't it didn't I couldn't hear any sound or whatever. And so I, I just went to the um, uh, the voice memo app and confirmed that works. So I, I went. Fortunately, I think we had it on the other recorder, but I so I I just said look. Uh, for some reason, it didn't record. Could I impose upon you? Do could we do the interview again? And he said, "Yeah, sure, no problem. That's what I'm here for." And for, if for whatever reason it doesn't work, we'll do it again. I'm here all weekend. I mean, he was the nicest guy in the world. Uh, mm. uh, you know, you want to hear those stories that the, uh, all these celebrity guests are, are are nice people. He he is nice people. Um, so he's in dark matter right now. It's a great show. It's in outer space in the future it's got robots um it has a lot of uh guest stars from uh the stargate franchise um so um it's a great show to watch he plays uh, number three i i didn't watch um lost girl but from what i understand he had a part in lost girl love uh, lost girl um so he he was a guest there at, at uh, uh, shore leave also uh, zoe palmer uh, she plays the android, but she she was on a Lost Girl as well. So, um, but yeah, I had I had a great time talking to Anthony. Yeah, he was also in Warehouse Thirteen. So yeah, um, and Canadian. Can you can you believe it? I mean, yeah. most 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 uh, actors on our favorite sci-fi shows come from Canada. Yeah, um, absolutely. But uh, I mean, he plays kind of a a Gene Cobb like character on the show. Um, but uh, the man has a very interesting background. I, I got to talk to him a little bit about what, what else he, he has done in his life. And uh, um, so I, I hope you all uh, like the interview. Yeah. White House Down, he was also in, which mm-hmm. I, I did watch. I know that movie got mixed reviews, but mm-hmm. I watched. It was fun to see exploding things. I might have to watch that then. <laughs> <laughs> I watched things explode. <laughs> Thank you. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we're at Shirley of 2016, and we're hanging out with Mr. Anthony Lamke. His IMDb resume is an impressive and diverse list of comedy, psychological thrillers, historical pieces, and sci-fi fantasy. Currently, he can be seen on Sci-Fi's Dark Matter. Mr. Lemke, thank you for taking time to talk with us in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thanks for having me, Miles. In doing some research for uh, this interview, not only do you have a degree in theater, but uh, you also have a degree in law. Did you have aspirations in uh, doing something in law in your life? Well, I, actually, I had aspirations to get a law degree even before I started acting. It's something that I always wanted to do, and um, my, you know, my career went decently well in the beginning. So I didn't end up going to law school, and then uh, you hit a certain age where, you, you know, you, I wasn't gonna in my 40s go to school full time when I had three kids. So I knew that it was now or never. So in my early 30s, um, I moved to Montreal and uh, and went to law school, and ended up working at a law firm for a couple of years. The last couple of years of my law degree, and. Uh, yeah, and then when my kids were born, uh, my first kid, I, I, didn't, I didn't really want her to never know me as an actor. Um, it's a pretty cool job, and it, it, I think it's kind of good for kids to, you know, if you have the chance to show kids that they can do things that, you know, that are kind of unlikely to, to achieve some level of success, then, you know, that shows them that they can... You know that they can also do unlikely things. So I, I didn't want I didn't want them to see me just as a lawyer. I mean, their, their daddy's a very well-rounded person. I mean, acting and and uh, being knowledgeable in law. That's uh, not everybody oh. can say that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's true. Not everyone can say that. But I, I've met a lot of pretty amazing people in acting. Who, you know, uh, Roger Cross is a pilot, which you probably oh, okay. didn't know. Yeah. Didn't. And I've met folks who've got engineering backgrounds. And uh, we've seen about the film and television industry is that it it, it really does take all comers. And um, uh, you know, you're as likely to find someone who's got a lot of a lot of history in theater and acting as you are to find someone who who succeeded in another realm of life and, and transferred into acting. So it's interesting. Could it be possibly actors trying to have some maybe a second thing to fall back on. Well, I mean, for sure, that's what my parents were thinking. They were like, "Oh, great! Now you got something to fall back on." Um, but that's not why I went to law school, and uh, in fact, I paid my way through law school uh, by acting. So, uh, in a way, it's the other way around. Oh, okay. <laughs> I supported my legal habit with uh, with my acting career. Um, but for sure, I mean, you know, acting is a little bit like being an athlete, where you you know, there's a time limitation on how how long you can how long you can work a lot and you know you hit your 50s and 60s and uh, there's a lot less 50s and 60 year old faces on yeah. television than there are 30s and 40s so uh, for sure that's in the back of my mind yeah. I'm a huge fan of Dark Matter it's got action it's got people struggling with who they are it's also a sci-fi show in space with spaceships and androids can you tell us how you got the role of number three yeah yeah uh, you know when I when I uh, first got the audition for number three, I, uh, I read the breakdown and realized, wow, this is this is a role that I that I know that I that I feel like I can bring something really interesting to. Um, but I wasn't in town for the audition, so I did it in my bedroom with my wife as the reader, and uh, that was good enough to land me a second audition. Uh, but I also wasn't able to make it to that second audition, so I did it in my bedroom with my wife. <laughs> Uh, based on the notes that Joe and Paul gave me, and, uh, and then there was a phone conversation, and that's, you know, where I had a chance to talk to Joe, and Joe was trying to vet me to make sure I wasn't a total jerk, and uh, <laughs> in the end, uh, in the end, I guess it worked out. Um, but I had shot a lot with the producers of uh, Prodigy, and the producers of, uh, of Dark Matter, they also did Lost Girl, uh, and one of the original... Uh, one of the founding members of Prodigy had also done Queen um, of Swords and Robocop and 13 and you know so I, I'd worked with him a lot and knew I knew that I'd show up to work on time and wouldn't stay in my trailer looking for Red Smarties you know so uh, <laughs> I guess that worked out alright I'm sure it did in watching number three I I can't help but make some comparisons to the character of Gene Cobb from Firefly has it, have you heard comparisons uh, of your character to yeah. that yeah, for sure I have. Uh, uh, yeah, both both positive and negative, <laughs> in the sense of like, oh gee, another Jane. Wow, why don't you try doing something different? Um, but uh, what's interesting is that you know, if those people stuck with the show, they realize that you know, he, he does go somewhere different. Um, for sure, he starts off as a mercenary, names his guns. It's a bit of a sci-fi trope, right? I mean, like it's a bit of a, a, a stock kind of character. Um, 
but that's not, you know, Joe, Joe had written, uh, Joe and Paul, the creators, had written our characters to almost be that way, to, to be the sci-fi stock characters that you then have to learn about. And so what is different about these? And, and they set that up very quickly in season one, where they subverted all of those stereotypes. So if I was that guy, oh, well, my backstory ended up being in the opposite direction. Turns out he does, he can care for people, and, you know, that kind of thing. And whereas, you know, two's backstory, you set her up as kind of hero and moral-centric, and then in episode, I think it was five in season one, she ends up killing all those folks in the, uh, like, totally going overboard, snapping and killing a bunch of people who don't deserve to be killed in the uh, casino episode. And uh, so, you know, that subversion of the stereotype was the whole point uh, of creating stereotypes in the first place. I mean, as a fan of Watcher, I'm starting to see layers with all, all of you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in, in season two, they pushed even farther on, on the layers where you learn more about our backstories. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of action and physicality in Dark Matter. Do you do your own stunts, or or do they make use of a stunt double? And uh, has there any been any major injuries on set? Uh, there have not been any injuries, any major injuries on set. Yeah, little scrapes and bumps. Um, and part of that's because John Stead, our, our flight director, he um, well, he's got a really great team of stunt uh, stunt doubles for us. And then of course the you know the stunts that he brings in to uh, to play the guards and that kind of thing. Uh, they're just fantastic. They know what they're doing. They're, they're great folks. Um, we all have stunt doubles and. Part of the reason that we don't get injured is we never have actors or fighting actors. Okay. So someone throwing a punch at me when you're looking at my face during a fight is always a stunt guy. It's never another actor. Um, so they're pros. You know, they, they know their job very well and they don't make a lot of mistakes. So people don't end up getting hurt. So it, uh, it sounds like they keep things very safe. They do, yeah, they, they do. It's, uh, you know, they don't want folks to get injured uh, partway through the season and end up having to rewrite the season or, you know, deal with an actor who's in a splint or whatever the heck it is. How do you do that, right? So for insurance purposes, but also just for safety purposes, it's, you know, we're making television here. Uh, no one needs to break a leg uh, doing a fight sequence in Dark Matter. And, that, that, you know, stunts or actors. Um, and if stunts fight stunts, uh, chances are that they're not going to get hurt. The same for uh, actors fighting stunts. It still looks great. Oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> What's the working environment like on Dark Matter? I, I've heard on some shows actors describe the working environment as it's run like a tight ship or it, it's, it's fairly loose and free as long as everybody gets their work done. Say that our show is a bit of both, um, but it is loose and free for sure because it, you know it's a family that's been together since you know Lost Girl really. Uh, a lot of the same, a lot of the same production team, and uh, even some of the same characters. Or, I mean actors who, who knew each other uh, from from those days. Um, so there's that, uh, but there's always new directors coming in, and directors bring their own style of shooting and style of running the ship. So sometimes you know we're run a little tighter than others, but. In terms of, you know, it's a tight ship, um, we shoot 11-hour days. You know, we shoot short, short days for, for the film industry. I mean, I know 11 hours doesn't sound like, uh, it sounds like a lot, because uh, it's 11 plus uh, 1 for lunch, so that's 12-hour days, so, you know, 7 in the morning to 7 at night. Um, and that doesn't include makeup time, so, you know, often you're there for a little bit, you know, about 13 hours, which for television and film is really short. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard 16 hours is not uncommon for some. Yeah, I mean... Hollywood features 16 hours is normal. Uh, American television shows shooting in Canada frequently hit 14. It's just the way they go. Uh, but we're at 11 hours, almost. I mean, I, I can probably count the number of times on two hands that we shot over 11 hours. So even though it's a really relaxed and, and, and fun set, we get it done quickly. You, know, you want to get home to your family. Well, in fact, it is the you know the line producer whose job it is. It's kind of like the factory manager of the film industry, where he's the one who, uh, you know, there's the creative, there's the, the financial, and there's the guy who you know gets the product made. And uh, a guy by the name of Norm Denver, and that's exactly it. He's got a kid. He's, a, he's about 14 now, and he loves spending time with his kid. He says, you know, we're making television. Uh, you know, we're not we're not saving lives here. It's not you know 17 hour surgery. Or we're not in the military. We're not you know this is. He's got a great perspective on what it is we're doing, and we're fortunate to be doing, and we're fortunate to be working with a guy like Norm. Cool. So now that the Raz has broken out of prison, 
what's next for the crew? I know you, you can't give spoilers away, but any hit, hints or the direction of where the show and some of the characters may be going? <laughs> yeah, sure. I cannot give you any spoilers. Okay, uh, so you have to wait to watch the show. Yeah, but I can tell you that we, we, uh, we do bust out of prison and uh, end up opening up a fast food restaurant akin to McDonald's. And I work the drive through where I take your money <laughs> and eat your food. Are you pointing a gun at us too? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. There I will, I'm going to check out that McDonald's. <laughs> So we're at a sci-fi con, and and I'm nerding out meeting you. You're in one of my favorite shows right now. Uh, I'm getting to everything. Oh, you're welcome. Um, What are some things that maybe you nerd out about? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Because I I have these kids um, that are are quite young right now, still 975, and, you know, my eldest two are daughters, and they just happen not to be into the sci-fi thing. So I don't, although it is my favorite genre, uh, it's not my wife's either, so uh, I'm very constricted in what I can actually watch uh, when I have the choice. And so I end up watching a whole heck of a lot of Pixar movies, I'll be honest with you. And I await the next Pixar movie the way a lot of folks await the next installment of, uh, you know, the next installment of Star Trek or Star Wars, uh, or hopefully the next season of Dark Matter. Right, right, right. Um, Absolutely. And because, uh, you know, they never miss, man. They're so good. They're just such great stories. They're well told, well acted. They're funny. They're for all generations. And I... And I just love it. And so I, I gotta say that's the closest thing that I nerd out to. Although Dark Matter is becoming a bit of that for the family because all the family watches it, and uh, and my boy loves pretending that he's got Bubba and bouncing people off the wall. It's pretty funny, man. Yeah. Well, his dad is a sci-fi action hero. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's totally it. Yep. I think he must think that's cool. I don't really know. I mean, he doesn't know any difference. So yeah. Cool. One last question. Right now we can see you in Dark Matter. Do you have anything you'll be uh, doing soon that we should plug? Yeah, sure. Um, sci-fi. Uh, there's a, a movie for sci-fi revolving around Halloween and the whole sort of horror genre, and uh, it's called Night Before Halloween, and it's with Bailey Madison. So for those of you who know Good Witch, she's in Good Witch, as was I, and um, their reunion there. And uh, it's a really the monster in that film is just really cool. When I read okay. the script, I was like, oh, that's great. Because, you know, usually monsters are, yeah, it's the most important part of a, of a sort of monster horror flick. You know, how scary is is the monster? And in this case, it's just really well done. You know, it's often more about what you don't see than what you do. And there's a great way of not seeing the entire monster in this. Now, I haven't seen the way they put the effects together. Um, but I can tell you that on the page, it's, uh, it's a fantastic monster. What's the movie called? It's called Night Before Halloween. Night Before Halloween, okay. Yeah. All right, we'll just keep an eye on it. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, thank you, Miles. Enjoy the con. I will. So hopefully you enjoyed our interview with Anthony Lemke. Am I saying that name right? Lemke? Yes. Lemke? Um, I, I actually I made sure, as I found out, when you're interviewing a celebrity guest, it's best to ask how you pronounce, how you pronounce their name so you don't mess it up and they have to correct you. <laughs> yeah. We've I've done that, it. Have, Miles has done it. <laughs> I have done it too. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, so um, yeah. lesson, lesson learned. Lesson learned mm-hmm. and learned. Uh, that's it. I hope you enjoyed it. And stay tuned. We will have... Uh, There'll be some listener feedback that's going to be coming out about some of the shows you're watching. Let us know what TV shows you're going to be watching in the upcoming season, what you're looking forward to. Again, you can email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. Respond to us on Twitter and also uh, go on to our Facebook page and let us know there. And uh, we will be happy to uh, chat and you know share your thoughts and your feedback on the next show. So it will be about two weeks from now, at least uh, when we're recording this. Maybe not when this episode drops. So, but I believe that's about it. Anything else? Am I missing anything, guys? No, I think we covered it. Yeah, we're good to go. Yeah, remember to say hi to us if you find us at the conventions that are coming up. Please do. Yep, I believe that's it. All right. Till next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see you. Do your dailies. Mm-hmm.